For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. What a week. After everything that's come over these last 10 plus months of 2020, it's election week in the U.S. Let's just take this time to take a breath, relax, and just talk softball. It's what we're here for. And it's crazy that we've been doing this for nine months now started the show in February. Man, time flies. So stay tuned for updates about the show. But for now, let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases. I'll share some news and updates around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Kayla Lombardo. She's a new friend and a sister in softball, media, and more. So I'm excited for you to hear her passion about this game and women's sports. Then we'll wrap things up as usual with the double play tip of the week. So let's get into it. Covering our bases. Some sports were able to get their pro seasons in this year, after all, even though we weren't sure. We even had multiple sports at one time again, which was awesome. But now all eyes are mostly on football. And when you look at the NFL draft's number one choice, will it still be Trevor Lawrence? What's his TikTok look like up to these days? These are the questions I have. But either way, we're well underway with the season. And even though you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals, team, player, and coaching props, more than any place online, BetOnline gives you more options to get your wager on. And you always have that online casino too, because it just doesn't close. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Remember, BetOnline is your online sportsbook expert. And just looking to softball around the world. Some cool news. Mexico softball was awarded the 2020 National Sports Award in Mexico. And it's just huge for the sport. I mean, this is the team that qualified for the Tokyo Olympics in 2019. Of course, they thought they'd be at the Olympics this year, but they will be next year. And it's the first time ever, as we know, that Mexico has qualified for softball. So in the meantime, too, six of these women played in the inaugural season of Athletes Unlimited. You know, not just the first season of softball, but the first season for AU overall for all of its sports. Tori Vidalis, Danielle O'Toole, Sasha Palacios, Amanda Sanchez, Anissa Ortez, and Taylor McQuillan. And we've talked about it in depth on this show, especially with Tori, Tuli, and Sachelle. And they are just all simply history makers. That's just how they roll. And for them to get this recognition across all sports in the country is awesome. That's what the game's about. Growth, growth, growth. And speaking of, Tori Tyson received the 2020 NFCA Diversity Convention Scholarship. And like the Natasha Watley Scholarship winner that we mentioned last week, she will also get registration for this year's virtual NFCA convention, but also 2021, including travel and accommodations. So well-deserved. I mean, you've heard her on this show, and she is a force. So in addition to being the head coach at Howard, she also runs low-cost camps in the D.C. area, helps guide minority athletes as they navigate their softball careers. And she even has open practices so that players can see, learn, and believe, as she says. 
And she recognizes that cost and exposure can be barriers for young athletes. So she's really all about removing those barriers for minority and low-income players and their families. So again, grow the game and grow it everywhere. Congrats, Tori. Really proud of you. And don't forget to donate also to the Howard softball program at giving.howard.edu slash bisonblue. Make sure you make the designation for other and write in softball so it goes straight to them. And actually, back to Athletes Unlimited for a second, Tops actually released another set of cards. So as many of you know, they launched the first ever pro softball trading cards earlier this year with the entire Athletes Unlimited roster. So I got my set. I wish I would have bought more, to be honest. But we're in luck with this one because it's the championship set. So it has the top four winners, including the champ, Kat Osterman, of course, the defense player of the year, Haley McClenney. They have a legend card with the veteran and now retired Narisa Myers. So actually get that while you can. Players who got all the firsts in the league. So Sam Fisher got the first hit and home run. Jasmine Jackson, the first grand slam. And then they have all six rookies, including Morgan Howe. They have a Billie Jean King throwing the first pitch card and the players committee and more. It's just a lot of cool stuff. That's all from the history that was the first season. So go to tops.com to get yours. And you know someone else who loves covering Athletes Unlimited and just the amazing softball community in general is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the lead editor and writer at Softball America, Fordham softball alum, and three-time Atlantic 10 Conference champion, Kayla Lombardo. Thanks for joining, Kayla. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Happy to be here. I know. I feel like we've kind of had our moments on Twitter, right? Like back and forth a little bit, but this is the first time we're actually getting to have a conversation. It's really nice. I love when this happens through Twitter, where you meet people who you kind of have commonalities with and you get to connect in real life. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I hope it's actually like real life, real life next time and not over zoom. That's the only thing, but for now, this is, this is a nice treat. Definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll take, we'll take zoom for now. Well, there's many reasons why I'm excited to chat with you today. I feel like we have a lot in common, but I want to start with the hard hitting question first, which is if I remember right, you're a one tree hill fan. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Start with the best question. Yes, big One Tree Hill fan. Loved it growing up. Totally a big fan of Peyton Sawyer, Lucas Scott. Those are my people. And my husband just recently interviewed Peyton Sawyer, Hillary Burton. And I was standing very hard in the background for her and couldn't believe that he was talking to P. Sawyer. So yes, huge One Tree Hill fan. Love it so much. Oh, I am so glad to hear that. That's the dream. I do follow Hillary Burton on Instagram and Sophia Bush and Bethany Joy Lenz, which it's sometimes weird to say their real names just because they are, like you said, like P. Sawyer, like it's Peyton, right? And it's, yeah, it's no, Brooke, that's, it's that's Haley. <laughs> she is that in real life in my mind. So yeah, but they're great. They're great follows. They're like all very woke women and like with it like they get it so yeah they're it's cool to kind of like come of age and like see them like become moms and and like just women in the world so yeah it's uh it's cool to see fun fact my coach my college coach at Fordham Bridget Orchard she named her first son Lucas after Lucas Scott so knew it was a match made in heaven as soon as I found out she loved One Tree Hill so that is amazing I, like, I, I don't even have words really for that. That's amazing. I love it. So were you, in, this is actually, this is a, another hard hitting question. 
Are, were you a Lucas gal or a Nathan gal? Lucas all the way. Yeah. yeah, Lucas all the way. Tell my husband that too. I'm like, I still have a really big crush on Lucas Scott. So, <laughs> Lucas was my guy. Absolutely. Yeah. He was like a little bit angsty and like loved like good literature and had like more going on than just basketball. There were a lot of layers there. So yeah, Lucas was for sure my type. That's how I was too. And not necessarily Chad Michael Murray, specifically Lucas, you know, like Lucas yes. was, was it. <laughs> um, but, but I would say I kind of, I'm kind of with you. Like as I've gotten well, not really as I've gotten older, but as I've watched One Tree Hill more and more, because like I still, when they took it off Netflix, that was not a good day. But I even still have some DVDs like from back when that was a Same. thing. Same. Yeah, with the season. So I started watching those, kicking it old school. Um, Nathan's glow up though is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He definitely evolves as a character in the show. Like I appreciate it, but P. Sawyer, Lucas Scott all the way. I'm I'm pretty loyal to my people, so those are yeah. my people. Fair, fair. I like it. And <laughs> I think you nailed it too with them, with Peyton, with Brooke, with Haley, all in real life. Just really good women to follow on social media. And also, I don't know, it kind of, it doesn't seem related to softball, but for me, I'm like, okay, strong women, that's it. Like, that's the only common denominator that we need. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And especially, like, I don't know about you, but when I was watching the show, I needed role models like I needed women to be a certain way like to see that and I don't know even just like how they dealt with hard stuff in the show it sounds silly to talk about but like they dealt with some hard issues in the show and and I really I don't know I admired them and I think this is really revealing quite a bit but Gilmore Girls was another huge show for me growing up so like I, I loved Rory Gilmore and she's part of the reason why I became a journalist even so um, yeah, I think like just like craving strong women characters on TV to follow and like once we found those we kind of like latched onto them at least I did and uh, yeah, just it, it's that's why representation is so important because you know we now kids get to cling on to athletes that they see and and have that representation and for us it was more of like television characters because we didn't necessarily have the same type of representation of female athletes on tv so to kind of have that now to see kids now get to know you know college softball players by name and pro softball players by name it's it's really cool but it's so important that girls have that because they're they're looking for it absolutely and i think it's a great point that we didn't have as much of that in terms of the, from the athletic lens, like even on One Tree Hill, I, the only thing I would say about it is that I wished there was a female athlete character in it because it was so sports focused with Lucas and Nathan with basketball and all that stuff. But I wish that there was, a, you know, some aspect of women's sports incorporated. That's the only thing that I would say, but even in terms of the movies and things that we did have that were female sports, it's like, okay, well, League of Their Own is pretty much any softball player's favorite movie, like if you ask him, almost by default. And it's like, because there's only one and it's not right. even softball, it's baseball, you know? And it's like, look at all the football movies that exist, all the baseball movies. It's like, I would love for there to be more of that so that there's like variety the way that young boys have it when they're growing up watching movies and shows. Yeah, and even the show like Pitch, for instance, like that show is super important because not only 
was it a woman playing softball, but it was a woman of color playing softball or sorry, baseball. So that, that representation in and of itself is crucial because you don't see that so much in, in the world. So to see it on TV was so important. Unfortunately, it's not on the air anymore, but you know, young girls are looking for role models. So whether it's, you know, oh, I, I see a smart girl on TV. I want to, I'm a smart girl. I admire her. It's okay to be a smart girl. Or I see an athlete on TV. I admire her. It's okay to be an athlete. Like we need almost these, these women doing these things that are, you know, kind of, I don't know, they're not normal so much in, in terms of the narrative that is pushed. So when we see that, it's, it's really important, especially as a young girl. I love that you brought up Pitch. I loved that show so much. Really sad it went off air. And even for other sports that incorporate women, like Glow on Netflix, like I, they, they canceled it too due to COVID. I'm like, oh man. But even the fact that more and more of those are being developed and like put on TV or streaming or whatever format it is, it's just, it's so important to your point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like in my mind right now, other movies that are coming up while we're on the topic, <laughs> other movies that are coming up. I don't know about you, but I love Matilda. Like Matilda was a big movie when I was a kid. Princess yes. Diaries, like just oh. you know, seeing women as the lead, first of all, as you know, the story is built around women and girls. That's, that's empowering. That's a big deal. It is also fun story having to do with Princess Diaries. I remember, I think it was, must've been 12 and under cause I, it was travel ball with my travel ball team. So I had to have been like 11 or 12 and we were flying. We were, I think we had went to a tournament in Utah, maybe a triple crown nationals or something. Flew through San Francisco as our layover there and back. And on our flight, I think it was from San Francisco back down to Southern California, Hector Elizondo, sat next to my mom on the plane and you know it, it's it's just like we were all like dying to know like oh my gosh like at the time they were filming princess diaries 2 and so he actually told my mom like hey yeah tell your daughter and her teammates that i marry the queen in the second movie and we were like oh my gosh this is so cool this is so great and then it took a while for the movie to come out after that so i was kind of like oh it's never happening like he wasn't telling the truth and then it did come out and he did marry the queen and I felt so awesome. And my teammates all felt so awesome that we knew this ahead of time. But anyway, kind really of way, cool. way off on the side there with that story. No. But <laughs> we, I have time for Princess Diaries any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it so much. Well, I feel like, I mean, we could just do an entire episode on this if we, if we <laughs> wanted to keep going. But <laughs> there's also a lot of other topics that I'd love to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, I mean, another reason I'm excited to chat with you is I just feel like we can, again, like we can relate because we're both former players that are now covering softball on the media side. So I would just love to know from your experience so far, like how has that been? It's been awesome. I mean, I, it's really been a dream come true for me. I didn't think this was going to be my path. I really didn't know what my path was going to be out of college I majored in journalism and I had every intention of becoming a journalist, but never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be covering softball full time. Um, it was really my dream to cover women's sports. And that's just because I didn't think it was an option just to cover softball. Um, so, you know, I, I started out after college, I had an internship at Sports Illustrated 
that turned into a fellowship after that. And so that was kind of my first job after college. And I was really just, you know, doing like news, breaking news work. So I was uh, writing stuff for SI.com, but it was all SI wire stuff. So like stuff would happen in the sports world and I would write about it and it was quick hitting posts. But because I worked for SI, I had the ability to pitch stories in my free time to editors about women's sports. So that's really how, um, you know, I got into writing about women on kind of a national level. And I met my now boss at Sports Illustrated. He was my internship advisor there. He was, uh, his name was BJ Schechter. He worked there for 20 years. And I would go into his office consistently and just be like, why don't we cover women? Why aren't we? And here I am thinking about it now, like in retrospect, I talked to my husband about this and I'm like, oh, what was I doing? Like I was such a, like a naive young journalist at that time. I would go into their office and be like, why aren't we covering these stories? It's so important. We have Brianna Stewart at UConn at this time. We have so many great stories that are happening. Um, and so I didn't get paid for it or anything, but I would just write these stories and have them go live on SI.com, which was so super cool. But my boss remembered that, my boss BJ, who is now the editor and publisher of Baseball America. And he called me um, a couple of years ago and he said, hey, we're thinking about starting Softball America and we want you to kind of lead the way there. So what do you think about that? And at that time I was still in grad school and I was coaching, so I had to finish up my uh, master's. And then once I finished, I got started with SA. Um, and it's been great. It's been so, so cool to cover the game and get to talk to all these athletes that, you know, I follow because I, I'm a fan of the game. Um, and then also to, to look at it from a critical perspective as, as a journalist um, and also trying to grow a website, startup really, um, you know, there's a lot of layers to it and, and it's been a, a big challenge, but also like such a joyful challenge because I, I just love the game so much. So I just feel grateful and, and blessed that I get to cover it every day. It's you're right. It's just really cool. Like you said, a hundred percent of your time dedicated to softball. I mean, because when we were playing in college and you like how I said that we, even though we only overlap for one year, I'm trying to make myself mm -hmm. as young as you, but <laughs> um, you know, how many jobs existed at that time that was, oh, yep, you just get to cover softball. Like, I don't, I don't know that that was even there. And so for you, it's like very cool because you have that role, but you're also providing that on a larger scale for more people to be able to do that. So that's, and I love that you said like startup as well, like there are so many different parts to it. So I would imagine it's also just a great experience from a business side too, let alone it getting to do your passion every day? I'm learning so much. So I, I do the SA stuff full time, but I also, part of my responsibilities are also to do some stuff for Baseball America. So I am splitting my time a little bit between the two. Um, but I, like I said, I'm learning from the sales side, the marketing side, because it's, it is a startup. So I'm doing a lot of the work. I'm doing a lot of the social media and I'm, you know, just trying to just get my feet wet with everything and just grow this thing. So, you know, I'm in the weeds with it. I'm, I'm going through it every day, but I'm happy to be doing it because I know the game deserves something like softball America. The game deserves coverage. These women deserve coverage every single day. And that's my focus. That's what drives me is, 
you know, we are dedicated to covering the stories of girls and women in softball. And I mean, that lights my fire every single day. Um, and I'm passionate about that. And I'm passionate about having that normalized and having that coverage be something that's consistent and something that people can count on and something that people know is going to be there. Um, and, and that's, that's what it's all about in my mind. Couldn't agree more. And speaking of being able to count on it, I'll tell you, I do. I look, I follow Softball America on all, on all the platforms and everything. But when I put together, for example, news highlights in some of these episodes for the podcast, I look to Softball America as a source. Uh, one of the main sources I look at, actually, because it, it's also this coverage that, which I love, it's not just college softball. While you guys go very deep into that, of course, and it's the most, it's the thing that's most covered on TV. So it's, it's the most popular to the average person, but you guys go deep with pro softball and all the different facets that it has. Cause it's a very complex landscape with professional softball. You guys talk about, you know, the Florida Gulf coast league and like other things that are going on and the travel ball level. Like, I feel like there's a, a great breadth of coverage that covers the whole softball world a little bit more because I think there was a lot of coverage before on college softball, but there's, that's only a fraction of the softball community. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that, but yeah, the pro game especially has like a special place in my heart. <laughs> and I, I guess, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a bit biased towards the pro game, but I feel like that level is the most underserved level in our game. And, you know, I, I think that that's really where we get to see these women flourish and they get to be, you know, their best softball selves. So, you know, in my mind, they're hitting their, their prime in their late twenties. And so many of them don't even make it to that point because you know, there isn't necessarily right now a sustainable model for them to make money and be able to play the game at the highest level. But the ones who are playing are doing tremendous work in the game and they're tremendous athletes. And I think we got a little sneak peek of that with athletes unlimited this summer. And we got to see, you know, on the national level, what the pro game is all about and what these women are all about. And you, know, you can't deny the fact that the talent level and the skill level is just, is something to behold. So, you know, I think the the coverage that we provide with softball America of the pro game is so deserving and I wish we could do more. I wish we could cover the every single game and I wish you know there there were more people covering the pro game because the college game is awesome. I mean we both played at the college level. We love college softball. The world loves college softball. It's it's shown that in the numbers for the people who watch and and come out for these games. But the pro level is even more exciting in my mind because these athletes are at their best, they are their best softball selves. So the game, the level of softball at the pro level is, like I said, something to behold. So I think the more that people realize that, you know, the better the, the, the attention for the game will be, but that's why we're covering it as much as we are because it deserves to be covered this way. It does, it does. You mentioned Athletes Unlimited as, it's obviously the most recent kind of pro softball that we've had in the States at least, but it was just so innovative, like fantasy softball, you know, like, but played out live for us. And gosh, I just felt my, I, I felt this vibe from you and from Softball America as well, but I was just, it felt like goosebumps every weekend that, that we got to do this because not only did the players 
express often about how, wow, we, we feel like real professionals. Like this is the first time that we've really felt quite like this. I almost felt that way from a coverage perspective where I was like, wow, this is, this is next level in terms of how we get to talk about pro softball. And, and that was exciting too. I don't, I don't know if you felt that same, that same thing. Wasn't it so much fun? Like I just <laughs> literally had so much fun covering it and just even, I don't know, just tweeting about it. Like it was fun to cover because it was so professional and so well done. And even the way that the highlights were provided right after the game and literally anything I wanted, I, I would reach out and they were so professional about it. You know, the, the athletes unlimited team is just, is amazing. So, um, yeah, I, I had so much fun covering. I was actually really sad when it ended and like I, there were a couple times throughout the season when I would turn on ESPN two on a Sunday and be like, I'm watching pro softball right now on ESPN two. Like that's a big deal. That's huge for the softball nerd in me. Like I couldn't do that as a little girl. So now as, as a woman getting to cover this game and, and, and really just watch it. Um, I appreciate that so, so much. Oh, I'm with you. It was just, uh, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it because it was just so, so special. And I felt like, I can't remember who said this. I think it was Morgan Howe when she came on the show said that there was also this element of it almost provided some hope or some like relief from everything that's happened in 2020, including the pandemic and everything else. It was like, for, for the softball community and people who love women's sports, or even if you just wanted some sort of outlet, like Athletes Unlimited was such a cool way to, to get that. Like in such a rough time, it was just such a bright spot. Especially for people who love softball, like people who grew up like we did, loving the game and just being obsessed with the game, to be able to sink yourself mentally into six games over a three-day period, it really can take your mind off of some really tough stuff. So it was just fun to be able to talk about softball again. And like, I could talk to my dad and be like, hey, dad, did you see this? And we could relive, you know, what we what we both love so much. So I think softball has a way of, of doing that for people, of bringing people together. And I think Athletes Unlimited really took advantage of that opportunity and and they did a tremendous job. Yes, definitely had those conversations with my dad, too. And I feel like probably, you know, dads and daughters in the softball world all over the country were like so excited doing the same thing. I love that. <laughs> Does it ever, though, Athletes Unlimited, but also just covering softball in general, does it ever make you kind of want to suit up again? Like, do you ever get that itch? Um, <laughs> yes and no. So I was telling, I give lessons. I give private softball lessons um, at night, most nights during the week. So I was telling one of my girls, I said, you know, I, I just want to hit sometimes. Like, I don't necessarily want to play. I just want to hit. I just want to get in the cage and I just want to smoke some balls. That's all I want to do <laughs> to relieve some stress and just feel good about myself. Like, that's it. But when I think about the stuff that I had to do, that we had to do as Division One athletes, like, I can't even believe that <laughs> that was me doing that. Because first of all, you're in a different headspace as an athlete. Like, you have to be in order to do well in order to lift and do like Olympic style lifting three or four days a week and get ready for two and a half to three hour practices that are really hard and just have that be your every day. Like 
I run on the treadmill now for 30 minutes and I, that's a huge deal. <laughs> like I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> so when I think back to the stuff that actually goes into being an elite athlete and, you know, even just, I was just at the college level, but to be on the, the pro level, I can't even imagine, you know, what that takes mentally. So I'm happy to just go in the cage, smoke a round of softballs, off of a tee and call it a day honestly <laughs> yeah how about you how about you what do you feel about that i mean I, sometimes it's like I, I feel like i get so invested that i'm like oh man it's like you just want to be a part of it and we still are when we're covering it of course but it's just like i don't know you get i just get a little bit like amped up sometimes but for the most part it's kind of what you said it's like i just miss the days when maybe life was a little bit stressful and we got to go to the field and hit things and throw things, you know what I mean? And just like, to your point, like, like release some stress. Like I miss that part. And I miss the team part, the locker room and, and that whole aspect a little bit. And I think you can have that to a certain degree in a professional setting, but you know, it's just not quite the same. Nothing's quite like that experience as an athlete. I miss competing. I definitely miss like trying to win a championship, like that was like the fuel for me. Like we would try to win our conference every year. Like that was the goal. So everything that I did, I had that in my mind from the time, you know, I was 18 till I was 22. And then even after that, like I, in my life now, like I can't function unless I'm competing in some sense. And it's usually with myself. It's 95% of the time it's with me and what I can do. And kind of pushing my own limits to see, you know, where I can go in my life and what I can, you know, do with softball America or, you know, just even like stupid things. Like today, I was just telling you before we went on that I was doing my chores. Well, I knew I had to be on this call. So I had to get everything done before my call with you. And that was me competing with myself. So you know, it's, that's just like literally what keeps me going. If I don't have a goal, however small it is, I, I'm not a very good version of myself. I think I, I'm the, a better version of myself when I'm competing in some capacity. I could not agree more. I actually struggled a little bit in terms of figuring out, for example, like what kind of fitness routine I wanted to have afterwards for that reason. Cause I just, vanity goals just wasn't really it just didn't really click with me that's not I don't know if like athletes I don't think that's necessarily it, depending on the sport there are certain sports where aesthetics matter for certain things but for us it's like you don't care about that like that's not what's going to get you out of bed you know so it was more like okay yeah run a 10k let's run this race and let's try to do it in a certain time it's like you have to to your point, it's like without a goal, man, it's so hard. Like even at work now, it's like, I, I have to have some sort of measurement of everything because I, I don't want to just like be doing something for no reason. You want to have an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. And I got, I don't know about you, but I'm a completer. Like I need to see things through. I need to start it and I need to get it done. And that's just how my brain is. Like you start the season, you finish the season. So, um, yeah, for better or worse, that's just how I'm wired. Yeah, I'm with you there. I Yeah, and I think with softball too, because it was, we've faced failure so much. That's such a big part of the game and more so than some other sports. It, it is, you know, everyone always says, it's like, well, you fail seven out of 10 times hitting, like you're still a success. That's always that example that everyone uses, but it's true. 
And so, but it's weird. I don't know. I feel like softball and baseball players have to be wired a certain way to, to take that head on, you know, and you, it's not something that goes away just because you stop playing. It's like, no, 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 this is my life. Like, this is how I am as a person. (laughs) Yeah. This is, yes, you have to explain yourself a lot of the time. This is why I'm this way. (laughs) You have to tell the world, you know, I played softball. So that's why I'm a little, I have a little bit of a screw loose. So (laughs) yeah, no, I, I feel that. I feel that. And, and I think, you know, you, you're always an athlete. Like you don't stop being an athlete just because your career ends. And it's, it's wild. I was actually telling one of my, my lesson girls this too, the other day that, she asked me, she's like, when did you feel like you knew your swing? Like, when did you finally, when did it click? And I said, I felt like it clicked two weeks before I was about to graduate. Like (laughs) literally like I was good, like hitting wise, like I knew my stuff for about two weeks with my swing and my body and understanding how it all worked together with my brain. Like there's so many different layers to it. So yeah. How do you just turn that off when you graduate? Like, like how, how does that just like stop? So that's why I think, you know, we were talking earlier about Athletes Unlimited and, and women as athletes reaching their potential, their, their prime. That doesn't happen for years after you graduate college. So, you know, you can't, I think your brain is also there too. When you graduate college, your brain is like hungry for more because you're just figuring it out. So yeah, I don't, I don't think I I did a very good job turning off the athlete brain and trying to assimilate into real life after college. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, definitely didn't do a good job of that. Um, I would, you know, I tried, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, But I love that you said that that's when you figured out your swing. Literally when you said that that's the question that you were asked. In my head, I was like, oh, senior year of college. <laughs> like, not a day sooner, to be honest. Like, it really did take that long. So that that's kind of where my question came from, which is like, do you ever think about suiting up again? I don't necessarily mean, like, seriously, like, you're going to go train, you know, to come back. But sometimes I'm like, man, if I, I didn't really think about that, that I, I hadn't peaked, you know, yet. And so it's like, huh, it's like, I wonder what would have happened sometimes if I would have taken that further. But not to say that I'm unhappy covering softball still because I think that's also something that's in softball players too it's like you're still typically involved in some way shape or form whether it's you're covering it like we are you're coaching which you've also do and have done and still do with your lessons or you're on a slow pitch team just playing for fun like every week you know like I feel like everyone I know there's something there yeah which is so interesting I wonder if that's like a unique thing to our game because I think you're so spot on with that like almost everybody I know is somehow still connected to the game there are very few teammates that I had who are just out of the game entirely and even if they are when I see them we're always talking about the game yeah so I don't know does that happen in other sports or are other sports as um I don't even know what, what is it? What, why, why is our game that way? Why, why is there such an emotional and a mental connection to our game for really, you know, college level athletes and above? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I know it's there, but I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) 
good research uh, study to do. Somebody should write a thesis on that. I know. Maybe we should tag team this and, and put it out for Softball America or something. <laughs> Be like, yeah. this is why our game is so great. <laughs> Everyone's obsessed <laughs> with it forever. <laughs> yep. For better or worse. Oh, man. But when you did transition into career, obviously still tied to softball, but what was it about writing that really grabbed you? You know, I, I think it was uh, something that I felt like I was good at and I had been told that I was good at as a kid and, and just like softball, like whatever you're told, you know, you're as a little kid, like you're going to believe that. That's why the people you have in your life, the coaches you have in your life, the representation you have in your life, that all matters. So, you know, just being a young girl and feeling like, you know, I was, I was empowered to be a softball player. I was empowered to be a writer. Like those are the two things that I still have in my life now. You know, there were other things that I really struggled with as a kid that maybe I was told I wasn't so good at, or, you know, I had a bad experience with, and now those things aren't in my life. So, you know, that's why, you know, I think what we hear from people who are, you know, older and our elders, like it's really important. So especially for girls. So the fact that it was nurtured in me, that it was, you know, I was told, from, you know, fourth grade, you should pursue writing, you should try to write some more, you know, and that kind of set me on my path, it made me feel good about myself. It's like, okay, somebody believes in me that I can do this. Um, and then the same was true for softball. So, you know, it's just funny that the, that's literally my life now. That's literally what became of me. So um, yeah, I think, I think just like having, you know, that that feeling about it, but also I, I enjoy it too. I enjoy words. I enjoy learning. I enjoy literature. I enjoy just anything having to do with um, something that that is experiential learning. And I think writing is that because I think you're always learning as a writer. Um, I'm drawn to and and editing too. I love editing. I love you know reading other people's work and I sound crazy for saying it, but I do. I really, I really enjoy, I enjoy working with words. And so the fact that I can do that um, with softball is really cool. I always wanted to be a sports writer. I always wanted to be in sports, covering sports. Um, but I just didn't know, you know, in what capacity. And I didn't, certainly didn't know, like I said, that this, that this was going to be an option for me. Um, but really it's, it's the marriage of everything that I love in my life that I get to do. You know, I get to, I get to write, I get to edit, I get to write and edit for softball. And then I get to, you know, change my whole life when I leave my house and I go and I give lessons and I get to work with young girls and I get to coach them. So, you know, my life is kind of like a microcosm of everything that, you know, was nurtured in me as a child. Um, and now that's, that's what I do every day. Well, I mean, that's a great example of how important, like you said, support is early and, and that encouragement. And I, I think, the fact that you like the tactical pieces to the craft, that means you really love it. And that's like softball too. It's like, you have to like to practice, you know, like you have to put yourself into it. And so that applies now for anything that we do, including writing. Um, but you, you mentioned it's a marriage of uh, everything you love. But speaking of marriage, your husband also is in media right? And I've noticed you guys are working from home kind of together. And I'm seeing like some Softball America interviews with the same background as I think he works for CBS, right? <laughs> and so 
I'm curious how that whole logistical schedule must be with everything you guys are doing. Yeah, it's kind of a hot mess sometimes, but we're in it and we get it because we're in the same industry. So we understand, you know, we're, we're doing the same stuff and it's also COVID time. So we're just adjusting, but yeah, DJ has helped me so much with, you know, just everything in journalism. Honestly, he's the person who introduced me to my boss now when we were in college. BJ Schechter, my boss now, was DJ, my husband's professor when we were at Fordham. So um, yeah, he kind of connected me to BJ then. That's how I got my internship from um, that introduction. So yeah, it's, he's really been along this journey with me. And um, we started dating my junior year at Fordham. And that same year, he um, kind of convinced me, he's like, you should be writing about your experience as a softball player, as a college softball player. And so I, ironically enough, I researched other softball blogs and I found Ramona Shelburne's blog from Stanford from when she was in college. And that Ramona Shelburne's blog is the reason why I am doing what I'm doing today because I started my own blog after researching that. that those clips that I was writing I submitted those for my internship and that kind of just trickled down into, you know, every opportunity that I've had. So, you know, DJ encouraged me to, to write my blog for two years in college and that opened up the doors for, for a lot of other opportunities, but it's cool. Cause he, he did radio stuff when we were at Fordham. So he got to call some of our softball games and, you know, he got to see me play. So he, he knows me as Kayla, the athlete, and he knows me as Kayla, the journalist, and obviously Kayla, the person. So, you know, we've come up in this industry together and, you know, it's been seven years now. So a lot has, has happened and yeah, we're, we're married and we just got a puppy and we're working from home. So things are, are a little bit chaotic, but I'm happy to have a partner who is uh, understanding of, of all things in journalism and, and truly supportive and an ally for, for women in sports and, you know, an ally for women in general. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun. That's all you can ask for, especially that ally piece. Gosh, it's so important, especially when you have such a passion that you're pursuing and always will pursue, you know, it's just part of you. And it's so nice to see couples who have true partnerships like that. So I love that. And I love seeing it on Twitter. You guys kind of hyping each other up. It's a great vibe. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. And I love, love that you were inspired by Ramona. I love Ramona. She's from Southern California too. She's obviously, we're both part of the Stanford alum family and all of that, but she's so, so great. And we talk about representation in terms of seeing female athletes on TV, but even seeing female reporters, broadcasters, et cetera, is so important for that aspect of the sports world as well. And, you know, Jessica Mendoza is obviously, you know, the pioneer in terms of broadcasting and making history just recently with the World Series and all of that. And Ramona has been doing that as well from the writing side, from the radio side. Like there, it's so, I don't know, I, I'm always so inspired. So I love that she inspired you too. It's, it's yeah, I love her. I found her blog. I reached out to her on Twitter and she was so super helpful to me. Like she immediately, you know, was, you know, reposting my stuff and and sharing my stuff and like communicating with me through DMs. And that gave me so much confidence too, as a, as a college kid, like just thinking, wow, this, 
this big time reporter, this big time sports reporter is taking an interest in what I have to say. So, you know, I, I remember that and I, not that I'm, you know, on any level of Ramona, but I, when people reach out to me and want to talk and they're, they're college kids and they're journalists, aspiring journalists, I am so happy to pay it forward because of what Ramona did for me and, and others like Ramona, but Ramona specifically, she's, she's really special and, you know, I, I appreciate her work and everything that she's doing to, to pave the way for, for women who follow her. Yeah. And I think I read that you chose Fordham, not just for the competitive softball, which was obviously there, but also in terms of helping you more longer term with your career, which I think that's actually great foresight for somebody who's being recruited to college. You know, you're still in high school and you're already thinking about that. Because like you said, you want, you knew you wanted to be a sports writer, but I just think that that's so great. And with Fordham in particular, what made you feel that? Well, everything kind of aligned. It was my, my recruiting story was kind of all over the place. I, I want, I knew I wanted to be a journalist, but my heart was so dead set on going to the Ivy League. I, I wanted to be an Ivy League softball player. I wanted to go to Princeton so badly. And, you know, the Princeton coach would come and watch my team play and she would leave and I would be heartbroken. I would think like, oh, no, she's gone. Like, this is the only school I want. Well, little did I know that when she left, Fordham was watching. And I don't know about you, but if you remember back to your recruiting process, but whenever the big school that you wanted to see you play left, it kind of took some pressure off and you could kind of play a little bit more freely. So yeah. she would leave and I would play much better because I wasn't so worried and Fordham was there. So, you know, I, I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, Fordham is the school for me, but Fordham ended up being the perfect school for me. And I'm so glad that I went there and, and I was talking to my husband recently about this. And I said this on another podcast recently, but he asked me, he's like, knowing what you know now about college softball and covering the game, where would you go if you could do it again? And I said, I would go to Fordham again because it was just the right fit for me. It was New York City. It was, you know, I got to be a few stops away on, on the subway from the New York Yankees. And I grew up loving the Yankees and I got to play softball for, you know, the other Bronx Bombers for a great program and a great coaching staff. My head coach was such a strong and powerful woman role model for me, somebody who let me be whoever I wanted to be on and off the field and really empowered me to find my voice as a woman through my performance on the field and, you know, to really just be my, the most authentic version of myself. So, you know, I learned so much about my life. I learned so much about my brain, about myself from going to Fordham. And I knew it had a really good communication program too. So, um, you know, it was kind of the best of both worlds for me with, with the academic side, the, the journalism side, and then, and then the softball side. So, you know, I, I was so thrilled. I'm so grateful. Every good thing in my life is as a result of having played Fordham softball. So I'm eternally grateful for that. I mean, that's exactly what you look for. That's what you want, you know, because it is a life decision. And, you know, you're going to play in that program or go to that school for four years. But really like that, that family, that foundation that you get from it, in your case, literally family too, with your husband, right? Like these things, they last a lifetime. And so I could not agree more with your point about 
making sure that it's the right fit. It is so, so, so important. Like people get really caught up and they want to go to certain conferences or certain programs, et cetera, but it's really got to be what's right for you. Because you also said you learned a lot about yourself. To me, that was one of the biggest things that you get out of college. And just because it was the right fit for me, especially in retrospect, doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, right? So many of kids, so many of these kids who are playing college softball just think, oh, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be the best thing in the world. And then when they hit tough times, they up and run sometimes. It's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> Division one softball, college life as you know, an adolescent coming of age is not easy. So you have to get through some stuff that may be uncomfortable. Like I felt like freshman year was one of the hardest years of my whole life. And I still look back on that year and see that as something that was really important for me to go through. You know, I wasn't playing a lot. I felt like, you know, I had failed in some regard because I was, you know, coming from a really small town. I was a big fish in a small pond. And then I got to Fordham and I was like, wow, I am not ready for this level and I'm not as strong as these girls. I need to get better. And I learned so much through that. And then I also early on in freshman year, I was dealing with feeling like I had failed because I didn't make it to an Ivy League school. And what happened with Princeton and other Ivy League schools was that my scores just weren't good enough. I didn't score high enough on the SAT. And I beat myself up like crazy over that. And I felt like, is this the consolation prize for all my hard work? And then I had to check myself and be like, no, this is awesome. Like you have to really appreciate what you have and then also get after it if you want to change your situation. So, you know, I, I spent the whole summer after my freshman year working my butt off with my dad and he really put a ton of time and effort into helping me get better. And, you know, I, I had to kind of look at myself and be like, is this how you want your college career to go? Or do you want to change that narrative? And so, you know, that in and of itself, that life lesson that I learned to really work hard for something when the going gets tough is something that I think about still to this day. And that's, you know, almost 10 years ago now. So, you know, I, I, my message to people who are choosing a college right now is to choose a college that you can see yourself growing in and that you can, a program that you can see yourself becoming a better version of yourself but also not to have the expectation that it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies because that's just not life. First of all, but that's also just not college softball. Like college softball is grueling. It is not easy. It's a long season. It's a long year because of the way that it works with our season being in the spring and all the preparation that it takes. And, you know, I think if, if we try to push through sometimes some of the harder things, we can actually be better off as a result of, of that experience. And you're right, better off as a player, but better off as a person. I had a very similar experience, it sounds like, where freshman year was tough. And I, same thing, came back that summer with my dad, you know, like almost every single day out there working. But what I got most out of that was what you're saying. Like, I look back at that and overcoming and, and pushing through all the time now with hard things that are in life. I'm like, well, I did that. I can do this you know, and, and then that just trickles forward in your life. And so it, that, what you just said resonates a lot with me. And now I'm thinking that there are a lot of softball players that have experienced that as well. Who knows, maybe that's why we're so attached to this game, because it gives us so much 
as people and just in every role that we have in life. Yeah, I, I, this game, it's a special game because, because it's so hard and because there's so much failure. And, I, and like you said, I think that's what's the most gratifying thing is that when there is any kind of taste of success, it's, you know, you could hit the ball on the screws and still get out in this game. Like there's no other game like that. <laughs> yeah. So when you do succeed, it's that much better because it's so hard to succeed in the game. And when you do win with your team, it's that much better because it's so hard to win in this game. So, you know, I, I think, you know, those are some of the reasons I think you hit the nail on the head because I, I feel that I, I will always love softball. I think more than I love anything because of, of that. And, and my friends give me a hard time about this all the time and always have that I just, I'm obsessed. Like, I just love the game so, so much. It's the thing I love the most in the world. And I just don't think that's ever going to change. And it shouldn't, you know, it's, it's what you do, meaning covering softball, having played softball. It's not like the only part of who you are, but it is part of it, you know, and, and I feel the same way. So yeah, I don't think we, it's like, sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, we talk about how hard softball is 2020, man. I mean, for so many reasons, it's been hard on everybody. And then when you factor in the Olympics and everything else with softball specifically, how hard that is, there are just so many parts to it, shortened season, everything for you. Like if you had to describe 2020 softball in three words, what would they be? <laughs> Promising. Disjointed and hopeful. And so I say promising because I think that the college softball season was such a good one. Like early on in the season, how good was softball? Like it, it, there was so much parody in the game. It was so promising to think about what postseason was going to look like. Yes. And then Athletes Unlimited, just with the start that they had and, and just how promising it was you know, to think about what the future could hold. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's why that's one of my words. Um, disjointed, because obviously there was a lot of stop and go, and we didn't know, you know, what would happen with the college season when everything went down. And then we didn't know what would happen with, you know, eligibility. We didn't know what would happen with the Olympics. We didn't know, you know if the MPF would happen, which it didn't. We didn't know if what would happen with Athletes Unlimited. So there's been a lot of stop and go with it. And I think that's just life right now in 2020, but that's why I would say disjointed and then hopeful because we know the 2021 Olympics will happen with or without COVID that's been said. So I am so hopeful to watch these women compete in Tokyo and to, to see, you know, their hard work and everything that they've had to go through mentally with the grind of getting through this pandemic kind of be displayed on the worldwide stage and see, you know, people get to stand on a podium. There's so many great stories too at the Olympics for softball that, you know, I'm just so pumped for these women to be able to play and to fulfill their dreams and just to see that happen. So that's why I feel so much hope going into 2021 because I think it's going to do wonders for our game. And I also think it's going to be so, uh, you know, a deserving feat for the women who have had to wait for 13 years almost um, to kind of get to achieve that. 
It's so true. And I think Kat Osterman said this when she came on the show, but softball players are some of the most resilient people mm. out there. And I think that resilience and just pushing through and the fact that you can even use the word promising to look back on this year. The fact that that's even a thing is because of how resilient the softball community is. And it's kind of inspirational, you know, like everything that was still able to be accomplished this year. It, it's just, it's crazy that we were still able to do all of those things and come together in the way that we did as a community. So I'm with you. I think 2021 is going to be exciting. I mean, we said that about 2020, <laughs> you know, so I'm like very cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, like everything that's in our control as a community, I think is lined up so well for it to be just great. Yeah. Softball is going to be back on the highest level and, you know, we get to, to live to see it. So I'm pumped for that. I can't wait to, to watch our sport, proudly watch our sport, you know, at the Olympic games and to see these athletes, get all the coverage that they deserve and, and every good thing that they have come into them, they are so worthy of. And, and I really just can't wait. I'm with you, man. I think that's a great point for me to wrap it up with a little game that I play with everybody that comes on the show. It's, it's quick. It's fun. Some people get nervous when I say that I'm like, no, don't worry. It's, it's low pressure, um, but it's called safer out. And I will basically just bring up a topic and if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. And if you don't, you call it out. Does that kind of make sense? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So the first one is cheering in the press box. Safe or out? Safe. Safe. Just, just with softball. And just with my people in the press box. Not with everybody. <laughs> that's true you're right because I feel like I get away with it more like when I'm calling Stanford games at Stanford yeah. versus like, like somewhere else next to you in the press box I would be absolutely cheering because I feel like I could because we have a good rapport if I'm sitting next to somebody who I don't agree with or I don't have a great relationship with probably out but <laughs> I mean yeah I, I definitely root I shouldn't say this I'm a journalist, but I root for good stories. I root for good people. I root for exciting finishes. You know, I'm a, I'm a human too. So, um, yeah, I, I do root. I do cheer. But I think that's fair for good stories, for good softball. Like, yeah, come on. That's yeah. not biased. That's you just wanting it to be good. Yes. Yeah, I really <laughs> only root for Fordham softball. Like, that's like, right. if, you know, if Fordham is playing somebody, I'm rooting for Fordham, but I don't have like a, a horse in the race if, you know, it's not Fordham. So I'm just yeah. rooting for, I'm really rooting for people, honestly. Yeah, I agree with that. That's awesome. Okay, that was the first one. <laughs> Second one is, especially because you also cover some baseball, the shift, uh -huh. safer out. Out. Yeah, I get so frustrated for the hitters. I'm just a hitter. That's why in my mind, it would piss me off so much if I hit into a shift and I hit the ball in screws and I got out. So I feel for hitters everywhere. So I'm going to say out. I'm, I think I'm with that because I like it's not I don't think of it as cheating, really, because it's like it's within the rules to do that. But at the same time, like it's not cheating technically, but it feels like it's cheating like I don't know, morally is not the right word, but, but you know what I mean? And because if you hit something hard up the middle, that's literally all anyone ever is taught to do and that all you want to do. And if you hit it right to something like that just sucks. But I do love when people beat the shift. Like when 
like the third baseman is not in for the bunt and like you just drop one down I hate bunts so I don't know why I'm saying this but you just drop one down and you're safe like that to me is like the best thing you can do when the shift is on Yes. And I do like seeing that a little bit from baseball with the ship because it's, it's a little bit of a softball vibe, like with the small ball. So I kind of like, yeah, it's a little more exciting. I I agree. I'm not really a big fan of small ball and I make that known all the time on Twitter. (laughs) So yeah. Well, I more mean like the speed of the game. I don't know because baseball is a little bit like slow, you know, compared to softball. And so whenever there's some element that softball brings, that's faster that we see in baseball like that's what I like I like I mean I'm like fine with sack bunts though I don't know if you're against sack bunts but but I don't you know I'm glad that things have shifted a little bit further from slapping constantly in softball see the slap for me I don't mind the slap it's the bunt that I don't like I think that the odds are and people will disagree with this but i think that the odds are better when you sing away and i think that more good things can happen and i think you can actually get more from taking the risk of letting somebody hit away because i think more like i said more good things can come of that than just giving up an out in my mind especially with our game today and our technology that we have with our bats and just the potential for things to go wrong for a pitcher because everybody can hit now. It's not like only the big girls can hit home runs. Like everybody has the potential to hit home runs. So yeah, I'm, I'm anti-bunt. I am. And I credit my college coach for that because she ingrained that in me. So I will not take full responsibility for that. Well, I think like if there's a reasoning behind it, you know, some people just say things without any like actual thought to it. Like you clearly thought this out, you know? So like, I think that's <laughs> well, I have fair. to because of all the trolls on Twitter. So I have to <laughs> these things through. <laughs> well, okay. With that said then, since you're pro hitting, swing yeah. away, 3-0 count, swinging away on a 3-0 count, safer out. Safe, man. Safe. Thank you. Because also like, how do you build up confidence in your hitters? If you don't give them the green light, what are you telling your hitters? Let them try it. Let them swing. They're they're in your lineup for a reason, especially at the higher levels of the sport. So, yeah, I think she's going to pipe it 3-0. I think every pitcher is trying to throw a strike 3-0. So you might see the best pitch you're going to see all game 3-0. Exactly. And for, and for me too, it's like, we fail all the time anyway. It's like, it's not the end of the world. If somebody fails on three and O like, let's try. Yeah. I completely agree. I wasn't always in agreement with that. I used to be like a big, like, Oh, you got to respect the game. You got to like, don't mess with the game, the juju, but I have changed my ways. I used to think a lot of things too, like about the bat flip. I'm not proud of, but now I'm like, throw it into the stands if you'd like to. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Like watching Korean baseball too earlier this year. It's so much fun, isn't it? <laughs> like they, they have, they clearly have to practice their bat flips. Like there's no way that they're not like having some sort of drill where it's just pure bat flips because it was just like an art form. Like literally no hesitation. Like as they're finishing the swing straight into a bat flip. It's it was beautiful. crazy. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan for a lot of reasons in softball for women to do that. I think it, it sends a certain type of message and it, it gives women the ability to express themselves in a way that 
was seen perhaps and is seen as subversive. So, you know, I love some kind of, you know, a little bit of way to piss people off, I think is uh, healthy every now and then for, for women, especially. <laughs> well, I've, yeah, I think the key thing is that as long as it's authentic, yeah. And that's what, like, every player that I've asked that's come on the show has kind of said that. It's like, if it's truly, like, just emotions and it's just authentic to your personality, that's one thing. If you're, like, trying to force it, that's a little weird. But I think that's when it comes across. You can tell, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I think that we should restrict women less. So I think whatever they want to do, whatever they feel moved to do, they should be allowed to do. So especially adult women. You know, if you're a kid and your coach says don't do that, I understand, but adult women, I think you should give some autonomy to let them decide, you know, how they want to express themselves. Yeah, well, restrict women less. Those are words to live by, I think, so. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kayla. Like, I had a blast. Like, I hope you did too, but yeah, this was, so yeah, I, I'm so glad that we've, like, we've upped our relationship from Twitter to now Zoom, at least, so. Yeah, we got to hang out at a softball field at some point. Yes, I know. Hopefully, like, depending on COVID this coming season, hopefully we can make it happen. Let's do it. Down. And right. tell, tell your, well, your husband too, but I was going to say, tell your dog that I say hi. We've never met, but like, I love all the pictures. So I would love to meet Maya, right? Maya's her name? Maya, yeah. Her name okay. is Maya. Yes. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a nutcase, but she's definitely this year, like, it's the best thing that has happened from this year. So. Oh, I love that. Grateful. Yeah, she's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to keep looking out for picks. So I will keep spamming. Yes, uh, you will see Perfect. them. I don't think anyone's going to be upset about that. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Kayla. And it's funny how so many things that you learn and that you experience as a player in the softball world as you grow up and then get to the higher levels stick with you. But that all happened because you take the right steps in the meantime and you progress to meet your goals. And that really got me thinking about the approach overall in softball as you're developing as a player. So this week's double play tip is about how to approach your training and practice, especially what you're doing on your own, which a lot of people are focused on that right now because they have to be, it's tough to do team stuff. But even if you do have team practices, you still got to get that work in on your own as much as you can. So physically, it's about breaking it down. Softball is a sport that requires us to not only be athletic, but also to be very skilled. And the nature of softball is that there are just so many layers. It's not just offense and defense. There are a lot of parts to both, different skills, lots of mechanics that power each of those skills, etc. Just a lot going on. So you see all kinds of people play pickup basketball. And plenty of people play slow pitch softball in fun recreational leagues. But there is a reason why pickup fast pitch softball <laughs> doesn't really exist because truly and correctly developing softball skills takes years. So the key is breaking it down and doing drills. So for example, you don't just start playing, swing a bat and magically get a solid swing. You have to develop each part of the swing. So that's why in a past level play tip of the week, I just talked about the lower half of the swing, load, stride, transfer. For the first week of practice at Stanford at the beginning of every school year, this is basically all we focused on hitting wise. And we just built up from there. And then, of course, the T is so important because if, if you can't hit a ball that's not moving, you won't be able to hit a wicked drop ball in a game. So you master your swing for all the different locations there first. But you don't just have to do full swings on the T. 
you can also break it down even more, like with the top hand, bottom hand drill. And really for this drill, you're still swinging like you normally would, but you're doing it one-handed. So you hold the bat with just your top hand on the grip and swing, get the reps in, then do the same thing with just your bottom hand. Now, because it is just one arm that you're using, you wouldn't use your regular bat at that weight. You wanna use something smaller. I literally used my very, very first softball bat from T-Ball when I would do these drills over the summers with my dad. So just something like that. It's not the same length, it's not the same weight, but it's something that you can get the reps in with without overuse or straining your arms. So the thing about it is you really have to get on plane in this drill. It forces you to extend that barrel all the way through the zone. You, you strengthen both hands and arms and doing reps for both helps you stay balanced. So then it feels easy when you use two hands again, right? So when you do drills like this, you can't get away with as much as a regular full swing. Like if you're flying open, for example, you get that feedback right away. You see the ball get pulled or driven into the ground or the bottom of the net. It exposes what you need to work on more clearly. So with that feedback, you can start to feel the difference between what's right and what's off. You get that body awareness and then that translates to your full swing. And if you're in a game, you can recognize it more and make an adjustment, which is literally what the game is all about. So breaking things down like this also applies to defense, throwing, base running, everything. So mentally, think about it as a progression. So you might have a series of drills or breakdowns to build you up to where you want or need to be. So we talked about how this would work in hitting, you know, start with the bottom half, even do dry swings, maybe just throw your hands to the different locations, then the T, then maybe there's front toss and, and full BP off of a pitcher who's actually on the mound or that distance. And for throwing, we've talked about this a little bit too in the past, it, we literally called it a throwing progression in college. We called each other, whoever our throwing partner is that we had, that we were assigned to, we called them our throw pro because of this. And you literally, you can start just on one knee, just snapping the ball back to each other. That's it. And then you might stay on that knee, but you kind of move your arms into throwing position, pause so you can make sure that you're in the right position, and then throw from a very short distance. Then you might stand up and start actually using your footwork, and then you kind of gradually expand that distance. It's a progression for a reason. We warm up to throw hard. We don't throw hard to warm up. Something my coach used to always say, and it's very, very true. And you even do this just in your dynamic warm-up even before you throw, too. It's a build-up. And for fielding, it's kind of the same thing. So in the infield, maybe you're just kind of throwing short hops to each other from a few feet away to start. Then your coach might give you some short rolled ground balls, you know, not even probably more than 30 feet away at, at most. And this all happens and you kind of gradually get there, you know, forehands, backhands, all of it in these drills before you even get grounders off the bat from your coach at a full distance where you're actually playing in the positions on the field that you would play in a game. And for outfield, it's, it's similar. You know, you work on footwork first. So you're just practicing running down. You're not even actually seeing a ball in the air yet, but you might turn to your glove side, turn to your throwing hand side, just to get the feet going and even work on hip turns. So if you turn one side, outfielders know sometimes you have to make an adjustment if that ball's moving or you misread it and you have to turn your hips back the other way, just practicing that before you're even catching any fly balls at all. And then, you know, your coach might throw fly balls from a shorter distance to you. And then you move forward to actually getting the fly balls off the bat in the grass. 
you just have to always keep in mind the concept of building up to 100%. It helps you peak more effectively with your power and your speed. It helps you prevent injuries that you might get if you do sort of an improper warm up or even incorrect mechanics. Because if you're not doing the progression properly, you could get bad habits or overdo it. So overall, where you really get better is by mastering each step to bring it all together and gradually become a better hitter, fielder, get a better arm, and ultimately just become a better ball player. So that's the physical and mental side of your training approach. Break it down, think progression. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Believe.com, and wherever you listen. We got you. Hit that subscribe button, rate the show, and write a review. Keep on sharing the episodes on social media and beyond. Hit me up on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera. Thank you so much for listening and catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.